intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Knowledge Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as always, is the co-host with the most, Jeff Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? We are doing fantastic on this Tuesday. Uh, coming in live, great to see you, brother. Uh, hope you had safe travels, hope you had a good trip, and a good celebrations with the missus, man. We, it's a good month. It's my brother's birthday today. It's all good vibes, man. I'm loving it. Good to see you all Love with it. us here in the chat. If you're here, say what up. Give us a like. Give us a shout out. Give us a little sum sum. Tell us how you're feeling about the uh, about this post-fight night in the Apex, y'all. It was a fun one. A banger. A low-key banger, as we like to say around here. And uh, as I also like to say, some fights with some huge implications, y'all. So, ready to dive on Ooh. in with you, brother. Implications <laughs> is the word. Uh, man. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. Definitely a lot of implications on the line here with these bouts, and I can't wait to dive right into them and break these things down, man. Um, as you said, there was definitely some some big kind of fights that had a lot on the line here. Um, do we want to go over all of these fights? I feel like we could probably skip over maybe the first one or two. Um, actually, yeah. we can skip over the first. I, I'd be okay with us skipping over the first two. But I definitely want to talk about that third one from the start. Did you have anything you wanted to sprinkle on uh, Thomas Peterson versus Jamal Pogues or Landon Quinones versus Markel Medeiros? Not too much. That heavyweight fight was definitely a bit of a slobber knocker, I think we can say. Uh, you know, a lot of swinging, a lot of missing, a lot of strikes landed. But overall, uh, it was a back and forth fight. Um, I didn't necessarily feel like it was much one that I would rewatch again. Uh, but that second one, Landon Quinones versus Markel Medeiros. Uh, I loved there in the commentary. It was the Ultimate Fighter series versus the Dana White Contender series. And the Ultimate Fighter series won in Markel Medeiros. I did feel like Landon Quinones was winning most of that fight. Maybe you had his score a little different. I thought maybe he got robbed a little bit there. I was maybe I'm just a fan of Landon Quinones. We've seen him more recently. Um, yes, he was coming off a loss against Nasrat Haktaparas, but I just felt like maybe he won that fight. I felt like he might have got robbed, but. He didn't do enough to really make it definitive. And I think if you're leaving it in the in the hands of the judges, you have to somewhat be okay with anything that can happen, right? It's never a guarantee in UFC, and it's not open scoring in UFC. So we really never know until we know. Um, so if you if you don't want to get edged out or feel like you know you got screwed by the judges, try not to leave it in their hands. That's all I had to say about those, though, brother. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I uh, I definitely thought that that, that Lady Quinones versus Markel Madero's fight was pretty damn close. Um, 
I could see it going either way. If if you had a gun to my head and you asked me who won, I would probably say Markel. Um, I thought that he was landing the more significant strikes throughout the fight. Thought he was doing the more damage. Um, and even though he went 0 for 5 on his takedowns, he was still pretty relentless in my opinion. Um, but again, not mad at either uh, that, that fight going either way. Again, it was a very, very close fought bout. I didn't think either guy did a crazy amount to edge it out in the judges' scorecards. So again, fairly close bout. Um, not going to cry robbery for either either which side there. I thought the right man won, though. Um, now, one thing I will cry about a little bit, you're going to hear me go on a bit of a rant on this one. I'll let you take the lead on it because I do have thoughts on this one. Um, but I'm curious to hear you go first on this one, Nano. What were your thoughts on Luana Carolina versus Julia Stoyarenko? I thought it was a fun fight. It was a fight that we both were definitely uh, looking forward to and anticipating. I thought, uh, you know, Julisha Stoliarenko was coming in with a lot of veteranship, and we thought had a lot of different ways to win this fight. But, uh, boy, Luina Carolina was a girl on fire that night, ladies and gentlemen. She came out rocking and rolling from the very first round, uh, stuffing some takedowns, uh, outstriking her opponent uh, by a landslide uh, in both the first two rounds. And then she figured, you know what, again, like I just mentioned, I might have uh, forecasted a little bit. I might have, you know, uh, led into this next fight here in terms of, hey, you don't want to leave it to the judges. So it did get late in the third round there. And she said, you know what, I've had enough. I'm not going to leave it to the judges. I'm going to take it out of their hands. And I'm going to make sure y'all know that I uh, got the win on this fight. So she got the exclamation exclamation mark uh, TKO victory over a, again, tough Julia Stolyarenko who unfortunately just, you know, maybe can't get over the hump. Um, Luana Carolina looked just extremely explosive, very on point, and looked vicious in there, brother. Curious to hear your thoughts, though. And uh, if not sure if you have anything, what's next for uh, Luana Carolina? I mean, this is a flyweight division that's certainly open and uh, up in the air, I would say. But uh, curious to hear your thoughts, man, if you have anything next for her as well. Solid breakdown there, Nano, as always. Um I'm going to firmly disagree here. Like I'm, I'm not on the Luana Carolina hype train. I, I just, if anything, I think that that should be a no contest for her. I think there needs to be more stern kind of regards to missing weight. She's missed weight before, uh, to my knowledge. And I mean, to, to kind of put it into perspective, missing weight for a UFC fighter would be the equivalent of a salesperson or a corporate salesperson like myself showing up in office with no fucking pants on. So with all due respect, like try harder, do your job. Um, wearing pants to the office when I go into the office, it's part of my job, right? Like it's just a part of decency. Making weight for a contractually obliged weight class that you signed to fight in, it's part of the job. So um, Luana Carolina, she fights at 125 pounds and she missed weight by four pounds. So, I mean, that's a, pretty damn significant amount in my opinion again i've had this discussion again where you know um if you're fighting at 205 and you miss by a couple pounds not a big deal but we're talking about 3.2 percent of her entire body weight folks um over three percent of her body weight is what she came in over the limit that's pretty damn significant and anybody who's ever cut weight whether it's for national wrestling high school wrestling martial arts, anything knows that those last two or three pounds are the hardest to cut. Notoriously. She stopped at four left. She didn't endure the hardships the night before. 
that her opponent did to actually do her job and make weight. And all she did was give up a measly 20% of probably, what, 8K to show? It's not fair. I like your breakdown, brother. Yeah, and I was able to quickly scrum up some news uh, from MMA Junkie. Quick shout out. Uh, but yeah, Luana Carolina did mention leading in that it was a miscalculation that they were attempting to going into that last night, uh, but knew that they were going to be a couple pounds off. And like you mentioned, decided not to go through the necessarily grueling part or just realized, I guess what ended up happening was that she just, they stopped losing the weight. So maybe there's a little bit of science there. Maybe just again, miscalculating, but that's just not being a pro. I mean, I, I can understand it, but is it acceptable? No. If you're Dana White, do you reward that? No. To your point. Um, I think the top 15 is out of the question. Is she talented enough? By all means. But you got to make the way. You got to be a professional. You got to do those little things. And that's what that's a big one, right? Even though it may seem like a small thing, it's a big one, y'all. So um, with that in mind, again, still another one away, but talented fighter. And someone we'll definitely be seeing around uh, more here at the age of 30, just hitting her prime. So curious, curious to see what's next. Yeah, I, I mean, again, she's very talented. She's definitely a talented woman. But if you're fighting at 125, make 125. If you're going to weigh in at 129, just fucking fight at bantamweight, kid. Like you're six pounds away from being another weight class up. That is insane. If this were boxing, that fight would have not even happened. As soon as she stepped on the scales four pounds over, the opponent would have been like, nah, I'm good. We'll reschedule it and she can make weight or I'll fight somebody else that can. Yeah, three's a lot. That feels like that cutoff, right? One, you can maybe make do. Two, it's like, all right, brother, you're pushing it. Three, come on. Yeah, it would, you're almost a yeah different division. <laughs> and again, like if we're talking like 205 and, and things like that, like it's less than 1% of your body weight that we're talking about here. But if we're talking about somebody that's fighting at 125, that's 3.2%. It's three plus percent of your body weight. Four pounds is more than 3% of your entire body weight when you're fighting at that low of a weight class. So let me ask you, if we're fighting professionally and if you lose, it sticks with you for the rest of your entire career, could possibly make you lose your job that you fought your way to get into. Are you willing to give up a 1% disadvantage? No, right? Like nobody Brother, logically no. is going to say, yep, sure thing. And now if I say, okay, how about three plus percent, almost 4%. Fucking not a chance, bro. You could argue even more, like we mentioned, right? Those last few pounds are always the hardest, and not doing that is is maybe the most substantial. That's probably the biggest impact to you, right? Because you could walk her in shredded or a few pounds over or somewhere in between and be just fine. But it's those Back. last few that are draining your brain and your body and your organs and everything that's you know liquidy in your body there so everything that's liquidy uh, <laughs> in your body that's a great fucking that's a great word yes i don't yes. know that i've ever heard the word liquidy but uh liquidy might be my new favorite word we got a lot of liquidies in our body man you know this <laughs> liquidies liquidies um well that being said uh you know me i'm a man of my word i i did bet on julia stolyarenko and i was wrong on it so i'm gonna pour up a shot to that one uh, we, we will, will. jump into the next one, though. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. You bet on her, too. Um, the next one, we didn't bet a shot on, but I leaned more towards Blake Builder just because the homie trains with him. Man, that was a tough one. That was a tough outing for Blake Builder. Um, 
looks like it's back to the building blocks, as they say. <laughs> oh, bad jokes. Uh, so yeah, Blake Builder definitely had a little bit of a tough outing there against, gosh, what was his opponent's name? Lee Jing? Jiung, Jiung Yiung Lee. Jiung, Jiung Yong Lee. My goodness. Um, and his brother's name is Jiung Hyung Lee with an H. Honestly, impressive. Very yes. Nice. Uh, yes. Thank you for doing your homework on that one. I really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, definitely with the distance. Um, not the most eventful fight in my opinion. Uh, I thought there was going to be a lot more grappling exchanges and scrambles throughout the fight. Uh, Blake Builder just didn't really seem to have much to offer in terms of the scrambles. When Lee was on top and was kind of trying to impose his grappling will, it seemed like he was there for the taking. Um, which is a shame because Blake Builder has one of the most impressive Instagrams that I follow. He posts like the ninja move of the day and they're always like wild fucking cool Brazilian jiu-jitsu moves, but... I guess like an onion, there are levels, man. Definitely levels. Uh, so, with that being said, we have a shot to do for the previous fight. Go ahead and do that. And uh, thank you to the viewers. If you don't drink alcohol, don't do a shot of alcohol. Do a shot of water. Uh, yes, stay we hydrated. appreciate you either way. Stay hydrated, folks. And thank you for your viewership. On whatever platform, appreciate the support. So, uh... I don't have a what's next for this guy. I feel like he's too far down the totem pole for me to play matchmaker for him, if I'm being honest with you. But pretty damn impressive performance for Jiang Yong Lee over Blake Builder. Do you have any notes on that one? Uh, anything that really stood out to you as far as kind of what he brought to the table overall? Yeah, I think he brought forth a a new... Uh, well, I was going to say he is the uh, new Korean kind of um, prodigy, new star in the making here. He's someone that definitely was exciting to watch. <clears throat> I know you mentioned Blake, the builder here, although he is solid all around, and maybe we we're hoping to see a little bit more from him offensively. The reality was it's not like it was uh, a lack of effort or, um, you know, a lack of willingness. Unfortunately, he was in front of a dance partner that was really explosive, that was giving him a lot of movements, a lot of feints, and I was thinking about it. I, I, I thought to myself, you know, I, I really like his style. I really like the way he's moving. I don't know if that would be my exact style in the UFC. I think it's a little too unorthodox. Hands are a little too low, right? I think I, I might be a little bit more traditional Blake. boxing. Um, no, I'm talking about Jung Young Lee, brother. Yeah, yeah. And, and why I'm saying that is because he was really slick with his feet, really good movement. Uh, but he was throwing those punches from weird angles. I mean, and, and hey, at the end of the day, if you learn, well, at least what I've learned kind of in boxing, but in striking in general, you'll probably hear in any discipline is it's really it comes down to balance, right? Your footwork and and with balance comes speed, comes power, comes everything else, comes precision, right? All those things you, you end up building up on top of that. But he just seemed like someone that, man, was really able to put it together well, um, was accurate with his strikes, had really good takedown defenses, which, again, I think frustrated Blake the Builder, wasn't able to get his reads, wasn't able to find good timing for the takedown, or wasn't able to chain together any type of uh, combinations to get him to the ground. And one thing that Zhang Young Lee was doing a lot that maybe you don't see as often anymore with a lot of these young fighters, granted he's 28 years old, not that he's a spring chicken, but he's on the younger side. Boy, you love to see these guys ripping the body. I think that was one of my big notes in this fight is he would rip upstairs and then just tear the body up, man. And he's got that long reach. He's got devastating power. And again, he's he's 
balanced. He's looks strong and it looked to be heard a couple of times there. You hear it on the commentary, which I go back and forth on where like, I love it. But then sometimes I, I try not to let it influence the way I'm feeling because Dan or um, DC did mention at one point, Oh, he, he, that body shot seemed to hurt him a little bit. He didn't like that. And in my head, I'm like, I did it. Did, did I really see anything? Maybe it's different when you're there. Obviously you probably hear the body shot and you know, okay, that hurts. It takes, you take a breath, right? I mean, depending on his posture or his momentum, was he going forward? Is he now backing up? As I continue to ramble, ramble here, all things considered, um, this young, young Lee brother, he is someone to be reckoned with. I think I hope to see him again. If we do another overseas card soon, uh, with that, you know, 12, 11 and one record now, certainly impressive. And again, Blake, the builder's no joke. So don't know what's next for him. The featherweight division is one of the most stacked on the UFC roster. So, Someone soon uh, would be our answer there because uh, he was really impressive to me. Yeah, it was definitely a great showing for him. He looked really light on his feet. Um, just jumping back to what you said, I think probably the most impressive thing that stood out as a fighter in that fight for me was, as you said, just changing levels, going to the body, going to the head, and not having the same tempo or pattern in those strikes is really, really impressive, especially for a fighter as young and fresh as he is. So... Yeah, not going to play matchmaker for him, but damn sure excited to see whoever the UFC puts up next uh, for him. I think he's got future star written all over him, possibly. Um, now, speaking of future star, I think this next guy, this next guy definitely has future star written all over him. Boy, oh boy. Timba. That is the sound a tree makes when it goes over. Uh, and that's the sound Pete Rodriguez made when he went over. And that's the sound your mouth makes when you pronounce the guy who knocked him down uh timba grimbo what an absolute fucking stud um correct me if i'm wrong i believe this is the guy that shaquille o'neal bought a house for or something like that uh yeah yeah pretty sure that is that him oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah from the contender series or yep yeah, he's nice a great guy. uh he's from a third world country he spends his bonus money setting up like clean water wells and foundations and things for his people back home in the villages. So, I mean, the guy just has a hell of a story, which in instantly makes for a future superstar. You pair that with the fact that he came out there and finished a young man in 32 fucking seconds on Saturday night. Again, guy has future superstar written all over him. Um, curious to hear your thoughts on this one before I play matchmaker or, or kind of break down that knockout. Because, man, it was a fun one, huh? Boy, it was a fun one. Yeah, I mean, my two cents, I mean, again, we could keep it short. It was 32 seconds long of a fight. Maybe I need to keep mine less than that. But boy, oh boy, did he look good. Was he shocking to me? I, I don't think I just expected that kind of power. I don't think I expected that kind of, uh, like, swiftness, I guess. I wanted to say quickness. He's slick. He's quick. He's swift. Not Taylor I'm talking about here. Um, dude's just really, really good on his feet, man. And that was a really impressive knockout. I'd love to hear and excited to hear your breakdown about it a little bit more. And if you do have someone that's next for him, I don't have anyone top of mind. He talked about a title shot in 2024. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. I'd love to see him be as active as possible. I mean, hey, get him back in there, maybe for UFC 300. The welterweight division needs some new prospects. Um, and at 33 years old, I mean, hey, why not rush him there? I mean, hey, he's a great story. Uh, he's endorsed. He, like you said, did shout out The Rock. That is confirmed. Uh, he was. Um, I mean, he's from humble beginnings. I believe he's from somewhere in 
I just had it up here. I believe in South Africa. I don't know exactly where the country you mentioned. Um, Johannesburg, South Africa, it looks like. Um, Kyalami. There we go. Going to topology. Shout out. But um, hey, South Africa is cooking up something, right? My goodness. This guy's a talent. Excited to hear your breakdown, though, brother. So speaking of levels, onions, level changing, all that good stuff, uh, this guy brought it all to the table here, right? Uh, on Saturday evening, this young man stood out, or I guess it's, it should say uh, Saturday afternoon. It's pretty early card, which you know we love an early card around here. Uh, so Timbo went out there, and uh, something that he really, really worked on, he actually posted about it on his Instagram following the fight, uh, was his evasiveness of the leg kicks. So Pete Rodriguez really likes to set up things with leg kicks. He throws those quick calf kicks inside uh, and out, and um, he'll use those to set up the overhands, right? He, I don't think he landed one of those on Timba. Timba was just whoosh, sliding outside, just like my old Muay Thai coach Tomas used to do back in the day at AKA, shout out. Um, and the the craziest thing is, like, I've never been a huge fan of the overhand. I feel like it's just, like, crazy over, like, theatrical and such. Um, but coach Aaron Pete over at victory MMA shout out, shout out AP. He loves the fucking overhand. He would literally tell you it's one of my favorite strikes. Um, and I'll be goddamn if he didn't use that to utter perfection. Uh, he even set it up throughout the night. Like he threw the straight, he didn't throw the left and never throwing the same exact combos over and over again. I mean, pretty easy to do in the fight. Less, less than a fucking minute. Right. Um, but I digress. He threw this left hand, and it wasn't even a, a full-on left hand, right? It was just a, a pump fake jab, essentially. Just like when you're playing NFL, speaking it in nano terms here for the NFL junkie, um, you know, that, that pump fake. You, you get him to bite on that shit, and then whoosh, you throw another direction. You got all these fucking defenders looking the wrong way, feeling like chumps, and meanwhile, it's touchdown time, baby. Uh, so that's exactly what happened on Saturday afternoon. Temba Grimbo. He pump faked with that left hand and then boom, right over the top. Fun. It was just as fun as could be. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Uh, it was just chef's kiss, man. Um, and something I noticed is he didn't even connect with. So like <clears throat> if I'm throwing with smaller gloves, like four ounce or seven ounce. Exactly. I've already shown you this. I like to throw with the backside because it's protecting my fists more. And it's also going to have a huge surface area, right? Boom! Um, what he did was a little bit different. He did it old style. Um, something you see a lot more in like street fighting and like Irish bare knuckle boxing back in the day is when these guys would throw hooks instead of throwing even, even hooks, right? Not even just overhands. Um, instead of throwing the hook like this, because, and God, you can see how flat my fucking hand is from how much I was striking with that hand. Um, so, if you uh if you th just a vast difference if you throw hooks uh you can see that this is going to leave you a lot more open to to get hurt right um but it's going to cover the most surface area however if you're very precise with your strikes and you're quick sometimes you'll do this and jackknife this bone or this bone into the jaw lining now, if you go back and you rewatch that knockout right now, you will see that Timbo did exactly that. It connects right on the corner lining of that jaw. And listeners, viewers, if, if you have a free hand, do me a favor. Take a finger, 
and just put it in that that lining of your jaw right behind if you have facial hair right behind where the facial hair is if you don't right underneath your ear where that jaw lining connects and if you just push barely you'll feel it doesn't feel good at all like it just feels bad um so you can imagine a man punching with a lot of torque a lot of pounds of pressure and just lack of better words a lot of fucking power folks uh it doesn't feel good now add the fact that the only hope you have of surviving this is four ounces of padding and then subtract four ounces of padding because he's eliminated that from the process here by hitting you with his bone instead of the padding part so again modern problems require modern solutions uh and timba had one folks he came out there. He knocked out P. Rodriguez. It's my only bet that I actually successfully cashed and hit was the under on this one. Um, I think we all knew that the under on a P. Rodriguez fight, it's like free money, essentially. Like It, it literally is like printing money. So there we have it. Um, Tim gets it done. He is an absolute stud. And, I mean, when it comes to welterweight, you know, it, it, here lately it's become the welterweight division you know what i mean people waiting for their opportunity for a title shot and nobody wants to fight anybody um i wouldn't be mad at seeing an up-and-comer like that if they wanted to do the quick route right pull right into the top 15 let's get him in there against a michael chiesa fuck it oh chiesa did get called out by someone else on this lineup but i do like it brother i do like it i, I mean I don't know if Kizzy would go for it, but uh be a, a great treat for Temba there and not a not a good night for Michael Keza, I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. I wouldn't be mad at seeing it. I'm just saying. I know it's a little bit far fetched, but I think it'd be a fun, fun fight. Speaking of fun fights, man, I mentioned Charles Johnson does not get any breaks in the octagon. They keep giving this guy elite level wrestlers undefeated up and comers. And I mean, he never looks terrible in there. He looks like someone who had he been given anybody else, uh, he'd probably do really well. Turns out Azat Maxim is that somebody else. Uh, and, and boy, did he do well when finally given the chance, his opponent got a knockdown on him in, I believe it was the first round. I want to say it was pretty early in the fight. And, uh, what's crazy to me is Charles, Charles didn't look like he was in that fight up until he got knocked down. He got knocked down. He got dropped. And uh, it's like, he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm going to fight now. Now I know what I need to do. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to fight back very hard. And uh, I'm going to fucking just change the pace of this fight and take over control. Um, It's basically like, you know, when you're on a first date and your date thinks that you've never done a slow dance before. And so she takes the lead. And then 30 seconds into the song, you're like, I'm going to teach you something right now. Um, and that's exactly what Charles Johnson did, folks. He taught that kid something. Uh, he went out there. He outlanded him two to one on total strikes and significant strikes. And then he took this wrestler and said, oh, you like to wrestle? Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to match you on takedowns. But I'm going to do it with one less fucking attempt because I'm going to show you I am better than you anywhere the fight goes. And that that knockdown was just because I fucking needed a second to get woken up and put into this fight. So, um, yeah, I was thoroughly impressed with Charles Johnson. I thought he was one of the standouts of the night, in my opinion. 
after getting dropped in the first round and then rallying back to win a dominant decision victory over Azat Maxim. I couldn't be happier for the kid. Uh, it's about damn time. Not not anything against him, but man, the UFC, as I've stated before, I don't know if maybe like he saw Dana doing something at a nightclub that he shouldn't have saw Dana doing at a nightclub, but it feels like Dana's got a vendetta for him with these matchmaking uh, setups. So curious to hear your thoughts on this match and also if you have a name on the tip of your tongue for Mr. <laughs> Charles Energy Johnson, one of the top tier nicknames, Energy Man, that is a fantastic nickname, and that was a fantastic performance and comeback. I mean, I wish maybe they started doing a comeback of the night. It might have been your boy Charles Energy, channeling that energy, Johnson, man. And that G is for gangster, brother, because that was gangster what he went in there and did. You are absolutely right. He did get knocked out right away. I was worried. I thought, oh, no, this undefeated dude is going to run through a homeboy. That was not the case. Like you said, man, I think he looked at him and he did what you just love to see in the octagon and you love to see it from a fighter. He bit on that motherfucking mouthpiece and he said, you know what? You not today. So not today. Not on my watch. Okay. No, no, no. I got something for you. Okay. I'm going to use some of this grappling. I'm going to use some of this submissions that I got and I'm just going to smash your face and smash your body and rip your legs when I need to brother. And that's exactly what he did, man. For, uh 10 minutes i should say and maybe even like 12 to 13 because towards the end of that first round he started to get a little momentum but because of that drop you could almost argue it was going to be a 10-8 definitely had it as, as a 10-9 but i guess maybe it wasn't a 10-8 because he was able to get that comeback or at least just see stayed in it he didn't get completely demolished for that full five minutes it was it was a, a quick drop maybe um you know you can make a case it was a flash knockout which is different than being almost put out, being, you know, on top of um, grounded and pounded. You know, this was a, a different scenario, not to get too tied up there. But again, great performance by Energy, Charles Johnson. And man, this flyweight division is stacked, brother. I mean, you have a Tatsuro Tyra sitting there, another undefeated monster at 15. I'm trying to see if he has a matchup. He hasn't fought since uh, December of 2023, ladies and gentlemen. That was a couple, that was almost 60 days ago. You might be ready to get back in camp. Maybe that's the move for a number 15. Is Charles Johnson ready for a top 15 fight? Can he take down two undefeated fighters in a row? There's a narrative there, ladies and gents. I think that's the move. What are you thinking, brother? Tattoo roll! I'm not going to lie to you. I had uh, two names on the tip of my tongue. One of them was Tatsuro Taira. I kid you not. <laughs> yeah, I kid you not. Uh, let's go. Uh, so I had Tatsuro Taira on the tip of my tongue. The other name is uh, its a little bit of a twofer because it, it depends on how this next fight goes between these two guys. So the loser, the other name on the tip of my tongue was the loser of Steve Ursig versus Matt Danger Schnell, which just got announced. So uh, I think that's a fire matchup. You got number nine versus, I believe, number 14. 13. Uh, number 13 versus, no, sorry, number 12, 12. versus number nine. Jeez, man. Jeez. Jeez. Sheesh. Uh, number 12 versus number nine. Um, I truly believe that whoever loses that will end up dropping down the ranking significantly at that time, probably down to 13 or 14. And at that point, right for the pick and for our guy, I think uh, it's time for energy to shine a little bit. I like it, brother. I like it. Why not? I, I say that with full confidence, thinking that Matt Schnell ends up getting the win over Steve Ersig. Steve Ersig drops down one or two slots and then that's up a solid matchup between energy and Steve Ersing. 
I like it. Some implications on that fight, as I like to say. Let's go. Absolutely. Just in case anybody has not seen Steve Ersig, he basically looks like if Jim from The Office became a UFC fighter um, and also <laughs> weighed 125 pounds. So moving on, we have Molly the Meatball McCann going in against uh, Deanna Bombita. And oh my gosh, would you look at the clock? Shot a clock. My goodness. My goodness. My goodness. Uh, this is, uh, I hate to see it, man. But, you know, good for her. She got it done. Uh, she got it done for the scouts. And man, uh, Molly Meatball McCann, what can I say? They should call her Molly Antipasti McCann these days because she's uh, no longer on the meatballs. Uh, she's lost a bit of weight there. Looks like the weight cut went a lot better for her than I anticipated it going. I'm not shame. I'm not too big or too proud to call myself out whenever I fuck up. I fucked up, kids. Uh, I thought that it was going to be disastrous, her going down to 125. Uh, boy, what the fuck do I know, huh? <laughs> hey, man, you're, you're a fellow jive uh, oh, sorry, turkey or so. She went down to 115. Yes, right? brother, 115. Yep, straw oh. weight. And that's insane. And yeah, she I said it was the like, hardest 14 months of her life, according to MMA Junkie. Shout out. The, and she also said, shout out, MMA Junkie. Uh, shout out. She also said, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> she also said uh, that one of the hardest times during that period was uh, when Patty was fighting because she couldn't party with him and eat afterwards. Um, yeah. It's about being disciplined. It's about being disciplined, not about being comfortable, especially as a UFC fighter. I couldn't imagine making all that chicken cheese spaghetti and then not being able to eat it. You know what I'm saying, brother? Ah, Cheers Um, to that, brother. I'll take mine because I had Charles Johnson losing. Obviously, you had Molly Meatball losing, so salute. Sometimes it burns a little bit being wrong, ladies and gents. That's another shot. Oh, Feel free to pour up whatever you're drinking. Stay hydrated, y'all. Could be water. Could be Gatorade. Could be Capri Suns. I have that in the fridge as well. Or it could be alcoholic beverages if you're feeling loose. So, I'm curious to hear kind of what your thoughts were on this fight. I, I'll I'll be brief with mine and then I'll let you take the lead here. Um, or rather let you take over. Here's the thing, man. I, I thought that it was a very, very good fight. I thought that it was a, a fun fight for as long as it lasted. I just thought Belbita made amateur mistakes in there that she should be better than at this point in her career. Um, and I say that as a big Dana Bobita fan, I just thought that when it was standing up and at range, she was landing solid shots. She was making her kicks count. She was landing and imposing her will. Um, but when the takedowns were coming and they only came twice, but when they were coming, she was too willing to just accept position on the bottom and stay there. Uh, there was one second left in this round. She had to survive one second. And uh, if she would have made a mistake one second later, she would have gotten out of this round and potentially been able to turn this fight around because you said it yourself. Molly McCann said that this was one of the toughest weight cuts of her life. One of the toughest, what, 16 months of her life, however long. Um, To me, that tells me that, you know, after, I don't know, 10 minutes, she's probably going to get fucking tired. So... We don't know because she only had to go four minutes and 59 seconds. So I didn't really learn a whole lot about Molly McCann other than the fact that she can successfully make this weight and she can be competitive at this weight, uh, to be honest. So kudos on her, uh, kudos to her on that. 
I was uh, stoked to see her get the win, even though it was over somebody that I'm a big fan of, obviously. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, it was a it was a great showing from Molly McCann. She landed about 1.5 to one on total strikes to her opponent, as well as significant strikes. Went two for two at 100% takedown accuracy, and uh, she only attempted one submission and ended up landing it. It was a pretty simple armbar. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm stoked for her. As far as what's next for her, I'll let you do your breakdown before I give kind of a my my breakdown on who I think should be next for her, but there, there are definitely some ideas here. Yeah, I think in terms of what's next, I definitely have a few ideas as well. I think anybody in that top 15 can get it, can get this smoke, right? And why wouldn't you want to fight someone with the buzz of a Molly McCann, meat, Molly Meatball McCann, excuse me. Let me put some respect on her name. And like you said, antipasta, no more uh, meatball sandwiches here. She's just the meatball, baby. Um, but yeah, again, hey, she had a great performance. She won performance of the night. She looked great in her strawweight debut. Uh, and again, you know, I think what she's kind of insinuating here or what I'm reading in between the lines when I look at the hardest 14 months of her life, I think that was due to a lifelong, not lack of a commitment, but hey, you know, the reality is if she wanted to be more disciplined at a younger age and maybe was willing to try to make that cut sooner, it would have been obviously easier. You're trying to do this at a later stage in your career. That's a that's a big jump, right? It's almost like John Jones taking two years off to try to bulk up, like Volkanovski insinuated, where yeah, hey, even just going up ten pounds, it takes a long time. So to go down five, ten pounds, maybe even more, the right way, or like we're talking about here, and like she's even mentioned in her lifestyle, and like we see in Patty Pimblin as well, you know, they they have their off season and they take advantage of it. Which hey, I love my food as well, but I'm not a professional athlete i'm not a ufc fighter where my body my weight and and you know having these gorging and i guess you, you gotta try to curb some of those uh urges right you gotta try to be a little bit disciplined in some ways right you obviously already are in a lot of ways you're a ufc fighter can't totally rely on just pure uh talent but with that being said, again, I think this is probably just something maybe she should have tried to have done earlier. It would not have been as hard, but I do give her props for powering through. Like, that's not easy, you know, and and don't want to, you know, rain salt on her parade here because I, I am trying to give her her flowers. I think it was a badass performance. She looked great against the Warrior Princess, who is no joke. Uh, and I do think anybody in that top 12 to 15 can get this smoke. I mean, again, it's a it's a huge name, probably the biggest payday you can have with anyone outside of like the champion and you're getting some of that pay-per-view points maybe, but yeah, I mean, I think a Molly meatball McCann, I'd, I mean, honestly, I, my favorite pick just because of where she's at in her career as well. It, it can, you know, potentially be, I don't want to say a send off cause that seems mean to say, but a Michelle Waters and Gomez brother, I don't know if she's still around, but those are two names that can get onto a, a main card that can be put on any pay-per-view coming up. But those are two big names. I think that hey, if you're uh, if you're Michelle, you're, you're looking at a, a big name, of someone that's that's trending in the right direction. That's a new uh, competition. That's that's a new face, a new person in the division. Um, if you're Molly Meatball McCann, that's a that's a legend. That if you you know get that name under your belt, then you can make an even quicker shot to the top for a potential title fight. So, what are your thoughts, brother? Well, I want you to remember this pick 
Uh, because I, I think we should both tweet these. I think you should tweet your pick for this one. I think I should tweet mine. And then uh, I think we should see who gets more traction. I have a little bit of a legendary pick here as well. Um, not quite the same, but as they would say in the interview, same, same, but different, but still the same. Uh, so we're not going to go Michelle Waters and Gomez. We're going to go one pick higher. We're going to go a little bit of a harder name to pronounce. We're going to go Carolina Kowalkowicz. Um, I just think she's a perfect matchup for Molly. Again, my reason being, I didn't learn a lot about Molly McCann at her debut in this weight class. She came in and she beat Deanna Belbita. Deanna Belbita made it, I don't want to say in a dickish way, she made it easy for her, but she didn't provide as much resistance as I would have anticipated her to provide for her. So that being said, I would really like to see somebody that presents problems and skills across the board, a la a Carolina Kovakovic. Um, if not Carolina, there's one other woman that I know for a fact is never going to say no to a fight against literally anybody, and that's Angie Overkill Hill. Both of those are really fun fights at 115. I'm here to watch those fights at 115, and uh, I think both of those are, are very fun matchups as far as people to go against Molly McCann. And even though Molly McCann doesn't present a big number next to her name, she presents a lot of hype. She's got that Barstool Entertainment biz uh, kind of, what is it, sponsorship that she has. And also, you know, she's firmly attached to the man, the myth, the legend. So, you know, um, <clears throat> that being said, I feel like most people would and should want to sign on the dotted line. <sighs> Man, this next one, I don't know why I did it, but I did it. I bet on Gilbert or Bean in this one. I think we both did. Yeah, um, I think so. It wasn't smart because, you know, I mean, guy might be top 10 most unlikable characters uh, in the UFC right now. He's got a great nickname, and you know I'm a sucker for a good nickname. Chuck Buffalo. Charles Radke. Uh, man's an absolute beast. Um, I I was planning on talking about how great his nickname is and just how, how fun of a fighter he is in there because he leaves it all on the line. But, you know, then uh, he, he said he should get paid for anything he does with media people, so I'm just going to leave it at that. That's hilarious. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, after the, I did it now. So after the fight, he uh, went to the post-fight presser. He's being interviewed by the media members, which, come on. You're fighting like you're the opener of the main card of like a random Vegas fight night that's not even in front of a crowd. You should be psyched that you have media members asking you questions. Mm -hmm. And after I think maybe like a handful of questions, like two or three questions in, he referenced that, like, you know, uh, it's crazy that, you know, you guys get to ask questions and get this stuff for free. Like, we should be getting paid for this. And so the person that had asked him the previous question literally responded to that with, all right, well, congrats on the win, I guess. And then, like, a solid minute, maybe 90 seconds went by with not a single question from the mic. And he's like, fuck it. I wanted to get out of here anyway. Thanks. Peace. Whoa. <laughs> so, like, we just 
the whole media group basically was like, all right, you want to get paid for it? Best of luck to you, bud. Jeez. And like his his first UFC win, I'm pretty sure last year he got, he was uh, in our MMA Anomaly Awards category for worst post-fight speech of all time when he proceeded to call the entire crowd the F word. Uh, so, yeah. I think, it was in, I think it was in Paris. They like booed him at one point. And he's like, you come by me, you fucking blah, 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 blah. word from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, for a uh, quick side note, I am right next to my window and there is like heavy rain uh, outside my window out yonder. So if you hear it bowling or if you're in the chat, my apologies. I know California's getting hit as well. I'm here in Arizona. My goodness, I digress. But yeah, well, hey, talk about putting your putting your mouth there. That is a, the last thing you want to do. What he should be doing is taking a page out of Renato Moricano's uh, post speech. Go wrong. Uh, <laughs> I want money. I want money, fucking more. God, no, want the money. I want to <laughs> Dude, be a brother. cop and take down the bad guys. <laughs> Dude, that was so fantastic. I can't wait to break that down with you. But yeah, I mean, honestly, this fight was one that I definitely thought Gilbert Urbina was going to be able to use his size. I think that was what allured me. I was lusted by the size here of Gilbert. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, Charles Radke looked like an absolute monster. I mean, everything he threw... Like Daniel Cormier was saying on the uh, on the commentary, was snapping Gilbert's head back, and it wasn't just because he had a lot of hair. I mean, it was snapping him back. He looked strong. He was moving forward, stomping forward, and took all about that every second of that first round and got homeboy out of there. Man, he was efficient with his punches. You only needed thirty three of them total, but they were heavy every single time, and it just really didn't look like Gilbert had an answer for it. it looked like he just. I think realize this dude hits way harder than I anticipated, and I don't really want to be in there anymore. And uh, I shouldn't say that because he got dropped. Try to stick in there. He was, you know, being a, a, a savage in that sense, being an absolute warrior. But he went out in his shield, man, and started dropping his hands, throwing the the hooks from his hip, which you'd never want to see. And all that led to him getting dropped again and almost folded with his six three body. And it was tough, man. I mean, it was a good stoppage, but boy, what a great performance by Charles Ratke, man. He looked absolutely phenomenal. I don't have anyone that's next for him in that welterweight division, in the welterweight division. But, um, man, man, curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, man. Uh, the welterweight division is right. Uh, man, I, I got to agree with Miss Mary here in the chat. I think she summed it up pretty well because that was one of the things I was hoping for. Uh, the reach difference didn't make the difference I had hoped for. Look, you know me. I'm a sucker for a good story. I'm a sucker for an underdog, and I'm definitely a sucker for uh, what I feel like is like the right thing to happen, right? Um, nothing against Chuck Buffalo. Everything for Gilbert Urbina. I don't know if you know this, but the Urbina uh, family consists of multiple brothers. Um, three of them have competed on The Ultimate Fighter. One of them has won the Ultimate Fighter. That's Gilbert Urbina. He made it to the UFC. I really, really, really just wanted to see him do well. Um, and, you know, maybe I went out on a limb for him as a result of that. Uh, the kid is pretty young. And for even for his age, he's, he's fairly inexperienced overall, right? Um, but that being said, I just, I really did think that the, the reach difference was going to 
kind of pay dividends for him. Guy has a hell of a reach. Um, I think it was like a seven inch reach advantage on his opponent or something crazy like that. Dude, just insane. But you wouldn't have thought that in watching that fight happen, right? Because here's the thing. Um, man, I, I just feel like he wasn't utilizing the reach. Something that you've heard me say about Conor McGregor, even as much as I dislike the guy, is that he uses his reach and his range better than most fighters in the business, in the sport, right? More so when he was doing the long stance karate stance that he would do because he would pop in and out and he would land these crazy shots from weird angles, right? You wouldn't see them coming and it was just wild. So I digress. Um, both in the Belbito fight against Meatball and in the Urbina fight against his opponent, Ratchke, Chuck Buffalo. Man, I just feel like the reach, the reach wasn't reaching. The math wasn't mathing. Um, and, and these people just weren't utilizing the reach that they were given. So his opponent outlanded him two to one. Again, a trend that we seem to be seeing here in this fucking fight card. Am I right? Um, if you bet on Chuck Buffalo, you definitely have the money pick here, folks. Um, if not, maybe do a shot. If you're not a drinker, do a shot of water. You know, you deserve it for fucking getting that pick wrong. Stay hydrated, you fool. <laughs> so the the real question is, what is next for Charles Radke, Radke, a.k.a. Chuck Buffalo? Um, and since he's not a fan of the media members, I am going to I actually have a name on the tip of my tongue either way. And it's. What are your thoughts on that name, Nano? Speechless. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> you can always bet on the bad jokes here, folks. Man, oh, Manowitz. Hey! So, moving into the next fight, uh, we had a very interesting one. Uh, we, we definitely had a very interesting one here. Um, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. We had... Aliaskab Kizriev coming in against Mahmed Moradov. Nano, what were your thoughts on this fight? <laughs> this I, feel like, I feel like this is our opportunity to talk about how we need to get some any and all new uh, sound bites in here. But one of them from the water boy when <laughs> he, poked, hey, he poked me in the eye. Captain Athena, the mercy. I think that's exactly uh, what happened here. It's uh. Captain Nathaniel shows no mercy. <laughs> he poked me in the eye. And that's exactly what happened. He poked him in the eye. And uh, he showed no mercy. And he <laughs> called no contest. And throw 11 seconds was all we needed for the fight. And that was it. Game over. <laughs> How much else to say? Keep it moving, baby. Bummer. I was bummed out. about. I was bummed out from it. What are your thoughts, brother? Uh, it was a very, very interesting fight. It consisted of all of uh, two strikes, uh, three in total thrown, uh, two landed. Um, yeah, man. I uh, I don't know, dude. I don't even know if I could tell you if, if the guy we bet on would have won. I just, I just don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know, man. Um, maybe they reschedule it. 
I guess the only silver lining is that uh, Kizriev doesn't end up with a, a an O in his record. Or, That's or true. One in his record, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't lose the O. That's you know, true. Usually, someone's O has to go. It's not the case. Not today. Um, not today, Satan. So moving into the next fight, I guess. Uh, <laughs> since there's not really a whole lot to go over there. Our quickest review ever. Let's go. <laughs> quickest fucking review ever, folks. Can we can we get a round of applause for that? Jeez. <laughs> so uh, into the next one, we got Viviani Araujo, which hands down one of the funnest names to say in the entirety of the UFC. Like, Viviani Araujo. It's just fucking fun to say, dude. Um, coming in against Natalia Silva. Man, Natalia Silva is definitely a fun fighter to watch. She has to be um, in my top five favorite fighters to watch from the last year. Uh, this woman is just incredibly poppy and bouncy. I don't know if poppy is a word, but if it is, you can probably find an image of Natalia Silva next to it in the fucking Webster's Dictionary, folks. That's a promise. So um, she's just, she's so goddamn poppy. And she came in there and she showed that poppiness, right? It, by the way, it was her freaking birthday, kids. Uh, she went out there and did this on her birthday. You know what I'm saying? Again, round of applause for that. You know what I'm saying? A little gobble-gobble from the turkey here, even. <laughs> Happy birthday, Natalia Silva. We fucking love you here at this podcast. And stunning performance from start to finish there. She outlanded her opponent by just a few strikes, literally 65 to 63. But if you watch that fight, you know. Making her opponent miss and making her opponent pay, right? Um, as far as takedowns, I mean. Her opponent missed eight out of nine takedown attempts or rather failed on eight out of nine takedown attempts. So she was trying her darndest to get those takedowns. But boy, Natalia Silva, though she is a TKD expert, she looked like she was a fucking combat sambo expert in there on Saturday night when it came to takedown defense. Um, I thought she showed vast improvements in the takedown realm, uh, or rather in the grappling realm overall, did Natalia Silva. Viviani Araujo did not seem to have the best game plan in this. I thought that she was going to come out, come out there and be more boxing heavy, Look to clinch early and really secure and limit that movement with the clinch. Though those like dirty boxing uppercuts from the clinch. If you're watching the video, you can see the the cross lacing of the hands in the clinch, letting go, boom, quick uppercut. Same thing on the other side. Maybe like dropping elbows in there or knees. She she didn't really do any of that. Um, she kind of let Natalia Silva fight her own fight, which. Chef's kiss for me as a fucking Natalia Silva fan. But I mean, as a Viviani Araujo fan, left a little bit to be desired there. I think she's a phenomenal fighter. She just didn't come in there with the best game plan that I've seen. And it ultimately led to not only her demise, but a fairly easy win for Natalia Silva and something that looked a lot more one-sided than I expected it to. Uh, Nano, what were your thoughts there, brother? Man, I mean, great breakdown. I'll add my two cents, but I definitely want to give Natalia Silva her absolute flowers, man. I mean, the the girl is absolutely stunning to watch, not just to look at, um, but the way she moves in there, the way she's so slick with her leg kicks, her kickboxing, she's very poppy in that karate style stance or that really sideways, almost Wonder Boy-esque uh, style where, man, she's not... Um, Sorry to interrupt. Not, that is a great fucking comparison. Wonder boy I mean, dude... Bro, what's crazy is looks. there's two different styles of martial arts, but their style of striking is so similar, right? Mm -hmm. Taekwondo, mm -hmm. karate, but somewhere in the middle, you 
you get Natalia Silva meeting fucking Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. My goodness. Yeah. In MMA, they, they tend to translate uh, very similarly. It's like different dialects of Spanish or like Spanish and Portuguese. There's some overlap. You may be able to get by a little bit, but they're very similar. Same, same, but different. Um, and all, all to say, like, she's that talented as well. I say I don't just throw out Wonderboy lightly. This girl at 27 years old, freshly, happy birthday. Um, man, she's absolutely fun to watch. She's fantastic. She did look a little sluggish. And again, this is where I don't love watching the commentary because on paper, it wasn't as far apart. But DC was really commenting on either one, Viviana Araujo's game plan or just her initial ability to stun and stop Natalia Silver in her tracks. She was winning the first half of that first round, but it did feel like once Natalia started getting rolling, she really started getting rolling like she let was letting loose she was letting her kicks fly uh throwing her combinations throwing even just her simple one two jabs and she was starting to hit home and i think that's what deterred viviana from her game plan i think that's what allowed natalia to stay in that flow state was because it almost turned into a sparring match and if you have that kind of style fighter and you're not threatening her with takedowns you're not blitzing you're not cutting off the octagon, you're not chopping at the legs, you're not giving her anything to deal with. You're just letting her kind of chip away, chip away. She's going to outpoint you all day, any day. Um, I actually think she did stuff a couple of days down. She did look tough in there. Um, I think I think her striking still needs to develop. She's obviously not a perfect prodigy at this point, but boy, oh boy, does she get skyrocketed up to the seventh spot. And she's now in an interesting spot. And I say that because everyone above her literally is already booked. Like I was trying to go through and find somebody that needs a dance partner. But no, everybody has a, a, a bell to the ball. And, you know, she is kind of odd girl out here. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on who's next. There are two names that are outside of the top 10, although she did crack number seven. But man, I think just in terms of styles, I think just in terms of two good names to put together. I think I'd be looking at first and foremost, I want to reward um, the Ariana Lipsky, queen of violence. I think that'd be a really fun stylistic matchup, both from Brazil so they can fight overseas um, anytime. I'd love to see that. And again, reward the Ariana Lipsky coming off a win and looking to potentially crack the top 10. Why not go up against the younger girl who, you know, got the shot, but, you know, hey, everyone in front of you is already signed. So you're not going to sit here and wait. That's not what the UFC does. So you got to have a dance partner. That's my first pick. Or Tracy Cortez as well as an alternative. If it's somewhere here in the States again, maybe in the Apex or on one of these upcoming UFC pay-per-views, I'd love to see Tracy Cortez get another crack at it. Man, she looked fantastic. She has that wrestling background, which, yeah, she can try to strike with. She can try to strike with Natalia Silva, but she's going to try to use some sort of wrestling or something. She's not going to want to sit here and play that points game. <laughs> I think Owen thinks otherwise. <laughs> Talk to me, brother. Lay it on me. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really happy I was muted. I literally cackled. I cackled. It was bad. I sounded like somewhere. Like, if I had to describe the laugh that came out of me when you said Tracy Cortez... I would say it was like somewhere between like Palpatine from Star Wars and the Wicked Witch of the West from fucking we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it was it was a wild one. I, I don't think I could replicate it if I tried. But, uh, that being said, I'm not mad at the other one you said. 
I'm at Ariane Lipsky, a little queen of violence action. Um, you know, the UFC is a real big fan of doing, and, and I say this with all due respect to the women listeners, um, the UFC is a very, very big fan, and they know exactly what they're doing with this in putting two very attractive women against each other, right? It's easy on the eyes, and if they're great at martial arts, it's even easier on the eyes, folks. Like, everyone's happy. So with that being said, Macy Barber. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I just no joke the the name that i had was literally macy barber versus caitlin chukagian loser um that's not to say that i think macy loses that fight what do i think puts more butts in seats though macy barber versus <laughs> versus natalia so um both are very young women very attractive women and very very ambitious women when it comes to the title picture they both want to be world champions in the ufc both of them are on the right track to do so and both of them seem to be on a trajectory to fight each other like you know when bardock was leaving fucking the planet to go back to planet vegeta and goku was leaving planet vegeta to go to earth and they kind of crossed paths and they looked and made eye contact like oh shit that was fate. These women fighting each other, I almost feel like it's fate, folks. Um, I just feel like Macy, the future barber, she's got to fight the future talent in Natalia Silva. And uh, I, I think that'd be fantastic. And um, I'm here for it. I don't know who would win that fight, to be honest with you. But if they made uh, Ariane Lipsky versus Natalia Silva, I'd probably buy tickets to that fight. I would too, brother. I would too. Unfortunately, we have to wait a little bit, depending on how that goes. That fight is in March, so I guess another month away. It's not too far, but uh, I might have to wait a little bit, depending on how those ladies recover. Um, but that would be a fun one, man. Definitely wouldn't be mad about it. Absolutely, my friend. Um, and I mean, Ariane Lipsky, like, she has a fight lined up against Karene Silva in, on April 27th. If I'm not mistaken, without looking it up, Karene Silva got beat by natalia silva no or maybe hold on did she not fight natalia silva maybe i'm maybe i'm tripping i don't I think so let's see oh no i'm tripping she no it's somebody else oh it's somebody else that reminded me of her it's the the lady spider that fought her mm. oh yeah that just oh yeah that did killer karina yeah. silva i think would actually be a fun-ass matchup so yeah honestly i think uh i think winner of ariani lipsky versus Karine silva versus natalia silva might be the fight to make my guy i'm not afraid to admit when i'm wrong and you're right my dude i think you've got this one fucking nailed man i mean everyone is like busy like everyone if, has a dance Macy partner goes out there and gets like blasted like out like master class by caitlin i would say maybe my pick wins but only because it's basically and that fight just really makes sense trajectory wise age wise etc but dude the thing is with yours, like it's not even a like the planets have to align. Either girl that loses that fight should fight Natalia Silva. I think that's the fucking match, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, I, it, so that's not on the UFC. Uh, oh, you're using UFC.com? Don't do that. I am. I know, huh? Are you gonna use SureDog or Tapology? SureDog is typically my go-to, but they have an ad blocker thing that pops up and shuts down the site sometimes. Mm. And then I use Tapology as my fallback. But no, SureDog is. 
way faster at having a uh, confirmed fight. So Karina Silva, April 27th, my sister's birthday, uh, against wow. Ariane Lipsky. Yeah, fun fact. Killer Karina Silva. Oh. It's Karina Silva. Oh, boy. That's going to be a banger. After that fight, someone's going to need some milk. You know what I'm saying? Because someone getting beat up. Sheesh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a fun fight. Um, and, yeah, I'm telling you, dude, loser of that versus Natalia Silva, I think, is a winner. It's just a winner of a matchup. We'd all be winners. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of a time when we're all winners, Randy Rude Boy Brown. Randy Brown. Coming Let's in go. here against the king Rude of the Muslim Salikov. Rude Boy Brown, he's been in this podcast. He's He's been in the stream here, the live stream, and we are great appreciative. Big fans of the guy. We called him winning this fight. We said that it might not be easy, but if he gets it done, it's going to look good. And by golly, did it look good. Um, I don't think a better 1-1-2 has ever been thrown in the entirety of the UFC in this one, folks. The man came out there and hit the bow, bow, bow over the top. It was disgusting. He followed through. I, like my, my fiance just recently started training Muay Thai, and one of the things that I get on her about all the time is like, don't hit the pads, hit through the pads. Recently, she's gotten incredible at it. But my goodness, does she know Randy Rude Boy Brown? And that's okay because he's a fucking professional fighter, folks. Um, Randy Rude Boy Brown. This guy, I've been hype on him for quite some time. He came out here on Saturday. And he went against a very, very game Muslim Salikov, the king of Kung Fu. But I digress. Um, this isn't something that happened at random. This isn't something that happened out of luck. Uh, Muslim Salikov, he kept trying to throw certain movements, right? And, and I just kept seeing my guy Randy Rube, boy Brown, dodging him. He was dodging the inside leg kicks. He was moving outside of range. He kept making a miss. And something that I noticed, and I know, I know his coach has noticed it too, Nano. I just fucking know, my guy. How do I know? Because I could see, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I could see Randy responding to his coaches in the fucking fight. Um, like, I know, I know, I see it, I see it. Uh, this guy, every time he would throw that one, that quick jab, or double up on it, pop, pop, um, his opponent... Whether it would hit him or he would slip it, he would go for a kick. And even if the kick wouldn't come, like if he'd fade the kick, his hands would go down. I don't understand it. I don't know why. It's a bad habit. Maybe he thought that he'd be able to slide out of range. But the thing is, a lot of people that, you know, strike and, and have really great fundamentals like a Randy Ruboy Brown, they know that that cross is going to, even though... For whatever reason, it doesn't make scientifically any fucking sense, right? The left hand is farther forward when you start, but the right hand covers significantly more difference when you turn that shoulder over, right? Like, for the viewers that are watching this visually, right? Like, I'm here. This is here, right? That doesn't make any sense, okay? But the right hand simply travels further than the left because when you turn it over, that's how it works. And that's another part of that, that equation of striking through your opponent, right? So something that Randy Ruboy Brown did is he he continued to feint the jab, right? He'd feint the jab. I don't think he actually threw a solid jab, but maybe once that entire fight. The rest of them were quick feints, like just tests. Um, very just like setup. And 
something that I'll tell somebody that oftentimes I'll say this to people that have never trained is when I'm sparring somebody, I like to throw very, very soft pitter patter punches up until maybe the last like 30 seconds of a round. Because then if it's a three minute round for two and a half minutes, they're building a false precedence that they can take my shots. If it's a five minute round, they're building four and a half minutes of fucking fake hope that they can take my shots. And then I've got 30 seconds like a bottle rocket. I know myself. I don't have a big gas tank. I'm not Randy fucking Rube Boy Brown. I can't go 15 minutes, kids. <laughs> but um, what I can do is I can throw hard for those last 30 seconds of the round. Randy is somebody that he's he's so technical and so proficient in the fundamentals that he's able to throw these shots with the confidence that he's not going to gas himself. He's not going to run out. And also, he knows how to throw these shots with such efficiency that he is not going to put himself in harm's way. So, faint, 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 constantly switching the direction, like where he's at, and then pa pa pow, and it just comes completely over the top, like mimicking it. I ripped my fucking headphone out of my ear, right? Um, so <laughs> the guy just literally, if like I, I, I honestly, I don't even want to embarrass myself and say how many times I've watched the replay of that knockout. Because it is so visually satisfactory, right? When you look at boxing tutorials, when a boxing coach tells you, punch through the pad, punch through your opponent, that's exactly what he did. And his opponent went out like a fucking fire, son. When you pour water or sand on it, it was, it was again, it was just picture perfect. You love to see it. And then after that, the ref got Poor Muslim Salikov. Ref just couldn't get there fast enough. And and Randy gave him one to fucking grow on, son. He said, <laughs> it was gross. One so, for the road. Uh, one for the road, man. Uh, curious to hear your thoughts on this one. And also, if you have a name on the tip of your tongue, because I feel like I do. I love it, brother. I love it. Yeah, man. Again, huge shout out to Randy. Rude boy, Brown. Someone that's been in the stream. Someone that we try to hop into his streams as well. Go check him out on Twitch. Check him out on Instagram. Randy Rude boy, Brown. Um, yeah, absolute legend. Uh, and man, great performance. Something that he absolutely needed at this stage in his career. And again, it just feels like all the stars are aligning, man. It feels like he's doing all the right things. He's, his head's in the right space. He's training with the right people. And he's approaching it the right way, right? I think it's one thing to go in there with the game plan. It's one thing to uh, stay fundamentally sharp like he did, right? I mean, he he had the hands up. His defense was on point. And when he was striking, there was purpose behind it. One, because he was actually trying to land at times. But the other times were to try to make sure of his distance, see where he was at. He knew he had multiple uh, inches of, right, of reach on his opponent. So... In some of those exchanges, and and again, what you saw with that finish, man, that sequence is his footwork and his ability to move and use his size with his speed as well. I mean, it is he is a force to be reckoned with. I can't wait to see what's next for him. I was really impressed and really excited for him, man. I mean, I felt like felt like it was like my you know someone one of my friends or somebody like you know getting a knockout or scoring a touchdown or hitting the home run, you know that big play, man. It was. Absolutely fantastic to watch. I was jumping for joy. I was at, up in Sedona supporting uh, the fiance and our uh, family and our friends who all wanted to run uh, a half marathon. 
So we were there supporting, but Lord knows I had had the fights on and uh, watching that. And boy, absolutely excited for Randy Rudeboy Brown. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, and again, at this stage in his career, he made the call out, man. He earned the 50K. And hey, why not reward the kid? He's been in the in the UFC for a long time. He's had over 12 fights in the UFC now. Why not give him a crack at the top 15? And why not give the man what he asked for, right? He did ask for a Neil Magny or a Michael Chiesa. Not in his post fight speech, but after with Megan Olivia. Um, so I think that's all right. I, Good I'd job, love to see champ. I'd love to see either of those names, brother. I mean Chiesa, if he can um if the timing can make sense, let's do it. Or a new Magni as well. I think New Magni would be willing to take that. He probably sees a Randy Rude boy Brown as someone that's respectable, someone that's talented, and he'd be willing to sign the dotted line, I think, for someone like that. So reward the kid. Let's go, brother. Huge congrats, man. Can't wait to see you on your Twitch or here in the chat. But, hey, man, super proud of you, brother. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Randy Rude Boy Brown. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm i going to stand by my guns earlier. I think Michael Chiesa goes better with the young man I said earlier. Um, Neil Magny, I think, is a fun matchup for Randy Rude Boy Brown. I think they're right on that trajectory, and I also think it gains up a little bit more. Here's the reason why, folks. Only person that I know of to beat uh, the rude boy in recent years, Jackie Three Names, Jack Della Maddalena. Oh, the person that's sitting one ranking above Neil Magny, uh, it's uh, Jackie Three Names, Jack Della Maddalena. So I say we fucking get that back, and um, I don't know. Maybe this time next year, we're talking about matching up Jackie Three Names in a rematch. It's Randy Ruboy Brown for a title contender shot. Ooh, that'd be slick. I'd love to see that. You already know, baby. Um, I I love, love, love a good fight. The only thing I love more than a good fight is a good story to build a good fight. So, with that being said, folks, we are jumping right on into the next one. We got Mr. Hinato Moicano wants money coming in against Drew Dober. And with that being said, I'm going to pour up my last shot of the fucking night. <laughs> because uh as you folks know if you're uh, avid listeners and if you're not make sure you like comment subscribe and smash that bell for notifications um i voted for drew doper in this one had a little bit of recently recency bias in meeting him obviously love the guy but i just didn't think that he was going to give up the ground game that he did over hinato Makano. That was definitely one thing that I was not prepared for or anticipating. And thus, here I am doing my shot because of it. <sighs> but the good news is it wasn't that bad of a beating. Hinato Moicano only landed a little over 100 more strikes than my boy Drew Dober. That was sarcasm. It was bad. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty fucking bad. It was 36 to 142. But you know, the crazy thing is, Nano, here's the thing. I've told you before, I've got bad cardio. If you started running marathons with Amy, you know, great, great times. Okay. Um, here's the thing. If you outscored me by 110 strikes because you have great cardio, I would pray to God that the numbers for our fight looked exactly like this. Even if you won. Because even though he scored 142 to 36 on total strikes, it was 23 to 23 on significant strikes. What a beast! Let's go, Drew Dober! Um, I'll do a shot to that. 
I'll do a fucking shot to that all day, kids. So, hey. Drew Dober went out there and he landed a hundred plus less fucking strikes. But do you know what theme would be playing in my head if I realized we had the same significant strikes? Oh. R.I.P. Carl Weathers. <sighs> I had to find a way to work some theme from Rocky into the episode. Nice. There ain't no to, tomorrow, Rock. Goddamn, Rock. Come I, on, get I, up. No, no joke. I went to contendersclothing.com and I ordered that there is no tomorrow tank top and t-shirt. The day he died. It popped up on my feed the day before. I opened it in my Google Chrome and was like, oh, do I want to spend the money? The next day he passed away. And I literally oh, told him, I was like, I thought about buying this last night at 8 p.m. And then he passed away and I saw it today at noon. And I decided to add it to my cart. <laughs> so um, there is no tomorrow, man. Um, shout out to the heroes. Shout out to the legends. Shout out to Carl Weathers. That man inspired the all get out out of me, man. Like he, as Apollo Creed, like between him and Rocky, I didn't know human bodies could look like that, dude. So like for real shout out to those guys shout out to Carl Weathers also not only for that but I don't know if you guys know this but he has a lot to do with the UFC fun fact before Ron Perlman took over doing the cold open tonight on UFC 280 it was Carl Weathers for like a fucking decade so pay respect for that guy okay Carl Weathers gave us some of the greatest cold opens we've ever heard in the UFC history and he also gave us some of the greatest movie moments in UFC history. And if you ever forget, folks, please remember, for Carl Weathers' sakes, it's all in the hips. <laughs> That's damn straight. It's all in the hips. R.I.P. Chubbs, R.I.P. Apollo, R.I.P. Carl Weathers, man. And R.I.P. his character in Predator as well. Absolute legend. And Grief Karga. Oh, there we go. And uh, Mandalorian. Oh, there we go. That's true. Brother, I'm a big Carl Weathers fan. <laughs> I mean, he's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. Did a, did he was, a, he was also an Oakland Raider. This week. He played on the Oakland Raiders. He, he played on the Raiders as well. So He was a specimen. Um, Rocky Balboa himself, Sylvester Stallone, said that uh, if he had not found Carl Weathers and cast him in the first Rocky movie, he doesn't think that the series or franchise would have been as successful and that he wouldn't have. He says he would not have been as far pushed physically um, if he had not found Carl Weathers. I mean, yeah. How do you how do you make a case against that? Have you seen the beach scene? Ah, oh, favorite montage of all time. If and I get a scene like that of you and me actually looking half that good running down the beach, and we can use that for an opening fucking scene for the podcast, I'll die happy, guy. Yeah, I mean, no shame. We should do it regardless. But yeah, let's pray. <laughs> let's let's motivate ourselves to look half as good, and I think we would be told I would die at happy man. You heard it oh. here first, folks. We're looking for a, uh, a digital graphics artist that can deep fake some abs on these bodies. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to work for him, buddy. We're going to make it happen. Uh, At least the other ready, muscles baby. will have filled in. Honestly, Come by out. the time International Fight Week comes, I feel like we're going to be pretty fucking close. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm getting that work in, baby. Come out. So, jumping into Hinato Moicano now that we've had enough sad, sappy stuff for Carl Weathers, uh, which is well-deserved. Drew Dober, my goodness. I didn't expect him to come out there and have, I, I almost said that game plan, but it was more of a lack of a game plan, right? Um, Hinato Moicano, though, 
for someone that came out in his last fight and said Hinato wants money, he was willing to grind and get a decision. Um, I was pretty shocked by that. Thought he was going to come out and want a slug, which is why I sided with Drew Dober, which is why I did my shot. Um, but I digress. When it was on the feet, Drew Dober looks like he was landing pretty solid shots. Hinato Moicano realized that, and that's exactly why he started shooting for the takedowns. The man went for six takedowns, got three of them, 50% takedown ratio, and that's how he ended up landing most of his strikes to take over the fight and win the fight. I don't know if you saw the little cheeky moment right after the fight wrapped up, but Hinato Moicano leaned over before they announced the official winner and said, how much do you weigh, or how much did you weigh this morning? To which uh, our guy, Drew Dober, said 180. And uh, to which our guy, Hinato Mani Moicano, responded with, fuck you. Um, I'm assuming maybe he didn't weigh in quite as much. Dober's a pretty thick fucking guy. Dude. Like, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's hiding like titanium and motor oil under that transformer body. But I digress. Uh, he made weight, and that's all that fucking matters in my opinion. So, a little bit of a lackluster performance by Drew Dober, but he's also someone that's not necessarily known for his fight IQ so much as he's known for his grit, tenacity, and willingness to take damage to get the job done. He just simply couldn't, he couldn't get the job done this weekend. So, um, that Moicano is the better man. And I, for one, am not super duper bummed about it, even though of my fucking five pick parlay, this is what blew it, folks. Uh, it was Drew Dober. Had every other one of them right. Gosh darn it. But I digress. That's uh, probably why he was a bit of an underdog, and I shouldn't have gone with that. Not. What were your thoughts on this one, brother? Yeah, it was definitely a fun fight, right? Co-main event here, ladies and gentlemen, of the night. Uh, and yeah, I think I was expecting Drew Dober to be a little bit more forceful. I thought he was going to be a little bit more offensive. I thought he's going to be a little bit more competitive when it came to the grappling, when it came to the ground game. But Renato Moicano is an absolute dog, right, brother? Definitely earned my respect. Definitely earned my subscription on YouTube. Tube's an absolute savage. He's an absolute dog, right? It did feel on his feet. There were some questions. I mean, he did get pieced up a little bit. Those 23 strikes, they were mutual. And it did feel like everything that Drew was landing was heavy. It made Renato swell up. There was a headbutt at one point. I think that also swelled his eye up a little bit. Um... But, hey, man, I mean, he went in there and he was able to beat basically a welterweight at 180, right? Drew Dober sitting in there weighing, still looking absolutely shredded. Um, but that's a heavy dude. That's a legitimate dude in the uh, division. So I'm excited for Renato, man, and I think he got absolutely rewarded, man. He had a great call out. He did not call out the MMA guru guy, which I thought was hilarious. Um, you know, maybe we could get on his radar for being on his good side because we do. The same, the same <laughs> MMA guru guy that called me out? last year what a scrub what a scrub what, <laughs> what, a, yeah. <laughs> what a douche <laughs> but uh yeah man um uh, all things considered man great performance and yeah he really surprised me with again doing just enough on the feet i thought drew dober if it would have been standing for for 15 minutes or 25 minutes may not have ended the same way but it's a mixed martial arts fight, ladies and gentlemen. So the way Renato was able to chain together the wrestling and dominate on the ground, stay in dominant positions, strike when needed to. Um, it was a really good fight, man. And it was a really good performance. Strong performance by Renato. Uh, Monday Moicano, man. Pay this guy the money and give him the money fights, right? I mean, I don't 
I don't know who that money fight is at this point in the lightweight division. Are there some money fights? Absolutely. But is he deserving of those top five or top seven guys? That's to be determined, right? I mean, that number seven maybe had a Benil Deryush coming off a loss to Armand Sarukian. That would be a fun one. You maybe you throw him a bone there, and uh, and and just really how some of the other fighters are are matched up or where they are currently. I mean, a, a Jalen Turner or Dan Hooker would be fun as well. I mean, honestly, I'd love to see either of them square off against Renato. But um, Benil Deryush, man, I mean, two ground game specialists, two guys that are good on the ground. I'd love to see that matchup potentially. What are your thoughts, brother? If uh, for what's next for our boy Money Moicano. So I know, I know I actually, I, I should, I shouldn't say I know. Cause I don't know. I don't know if you hate this or not, but I feel like you've got to hate this when I do the, uh, like the loser of, or the winner of extra match. Uh, and I do this only because I feel like it matches up as far as like where they are and when the matches are going to happen. There's a match that's happening in the next two months. And I feel like the loser of that match would match up really, really well against Hinato Moicano at this point in their career. And that's Benoit Saint-Denis against Dustin Poirier. I feel like the loser of that fight matches up really, really well against Money Moicano. And I mean, with, with all due respect, folks, as long as there is a Santa Claus... I believe there is. I believe. Uh, as long as there is a Santa Claus, then I believe that, uh, you know, Dustin Poirier is going to pull off that W. And it'll be Hinato Moicano versus Benoit Saint-Denis. And I think that's a fun matchup. Let's see how Benoit, Benoit Saint-Denis deals with a heavy grappler that is able to actually implement a striking game if needed. I feel like both those guys, as far as trajectory-wise, rankings-wise, and kind of where they are in their... Uh, respective UFC careers, I think this fight makes a lot of sense. Agree? Disagree? Comments? Concerns? I like it, brother. I like it. And no, I don't hate when uh, you do that. I think I think it's a na- I think it's a natural thing to look at and say, ah, I don't know if it makes sense. But the reality is, like, these guys sometimes fight, you know, two, three times a year. Four is a, a bit much nowadays. So it's like, realistically, if they're fighting two, three times, that means on a, you know, four to six month window, it's like, that's kind of average right if they get out of camp for a little bit then they want to get back in for those 8 to 12 weeks so I like it brother I like where your head's at 5x if you're Adesanya <laughs> that's true hey I mean you were saying 4 times is a lot but man Adesanya says yeah, I mean Adesanya usually fights like 5 times a year and that's exactly why I was saying when you guys were like uh, Adesanya's taking some time off what are your thoughts on this and I'm like Adesanya usually fights like about five times a year. So him taking time off means maybe he'll fight once a year, which is probably a fucking good thing. Yeah. At this stage in his life, man. And I mean, just for how active he was, it's, it's unreal. That's uh that's un that's, I don't want to say unrealistic. It's unheard of though. That is legendary. I mean, that will go down as one of the best two to three, four year runs that we've ever seen. I mean, it's hard to, to rival that. I mean, obviously the John Jones is, or the Anderson Silva is, right? I think he was still, I mean, and he can still catch up to some of those, um, you know, titles or, or uh, records, right? You know, the GSPs and when it comes to the title defenses, but what is he at, like seven or eight or nine or something like that? I mean, he is absolutely absurd, man. I love Izzy Adesan. I can't wait to see him get back in there. Maybe they'll announce at UFC 300. We're still waiting, right? 
Still waiting for that announcement, Dana. Hurry up, man. We're we're growing old here. <laughs> man, you are definitely not lying. Um, we're still waiting on the UFC 300 announcement for the main card or main event, rather. I can't help but think that we're not going to get one. I uh, unpopular opinion. I think this is the card that we have, and it's overly stacked as is. We don't need another announcement. Dana White's been playing bluff. He's already gotten a shit ton of traction just doing that. He's just going to announce a main event. He never said he's going to announce a new fight. It's a it's a clever wording. He did. Oh, hell yeah. I he mean, said he's going yeah. to announce the UFC 300 main event. Not I'm going to announce a the final fight for UFC 300. There are what? 13 fights on that card? <laughs> Most so he, get, he, he may just. Fights. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So he, he may just gonna build like, himself right, out well, of that one. The main event is Zhang Wiley versus. <laughs> Like, real talk, I feel like uh, as unfortunate and possibly lackluster as that might be, I really do feel like that's going to end up being the thing. Yeah. <sighs> so, Unfortunately. With that being what it is, and, um, you know, it is what it is, I am going to let you take the lead on the main event of the evening, folks. So without further ado, as Bruce Buffer likes to say, It's time for the main event of the evening, folks. We have Roman Delize coming in against Nasordin Imavov. Nano, what are your thoughts on this fucking main event? Man, my thoughts were it was an absolute fun one. It was one that we had watched with all the friends and family in the living room at the Airbnb in Sedona. So it was our main event for our Saturday night post uh, half marathon. And it was a fun one. Uh, another good pal that was there, our boy Ryan, uh, one of the family friends, uh, is a big UFC fan as well. So we were both very intrigued by the matchup. We were looking at the Roman to lead, say, hey, this guy's strong. He's from Georgia. There's a lot of tough dudes from that area. Can he just go through here and, and just, you know, outpower? Can he outman this, uh, you know, Imavov, Nasruddin Imavov? I thought, hey man, speed kills, and and I've like what I've seen striking wise uh, from a Nasruddin Imovov, and that was exactly what we got for 25 minutes. Yes, there was some grappling in there, and and some stalled uh, time periods. I think we might have talked about it going into this fight that it's 25 minutes. We may not see absolute blitzing lights out action for that full 25. These guys like to mix it up, and, and when you have a power puncher like uh, Roman Delize in front of you. You, you you want to be a little bit careful, but boy, I mean, let, and you know, again, Roman Delize is fighting with Coach Eric Nixick and Chris Curtis and those boys, which I'll dive into in a second. But man, Nasruddin Imovov looked absolutely slick from from post to post. He did absolutely everything right. He was more physical. He was faster. He was able to weather the punches. That was what worried me. But he really just waited, in my opinion, waited for Roman to slow down a little bit. And he was able to use this variety of clinch, Muay Thai kicks, his leg strikes, his punching, his one-two. I mean, his ability to be in and out, be able to move off the center line, dip his head back. He was fast. He was just out of reach. I mean, he, I was really impressed with his footwork and his ability to to uh, know his spacing and, and, and perfectly use his range and those leg strikes, man. It was absolutely fun to watch. Now, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on the point deduction, right? Now, if y'all missed it, at one point of the fight, they were in the clinch. Um, he was had his hands wrapped around Roman's waist, 
and Roman put one of his hands down on the ground. Now, if he had both hands on the ground, it'd almost be like a dog, a downwards dog type yoga pose. I mean, knees are not on the ground, but in a down like position, which uh, to me, as I get older, I almost am starting to feel like I don't like this rule anymore. I think I almost want to get rid of it. Fuck the safety of the fighters. And, and I say it with all due respect, I just wanted to be facetious. But uh, man, so he put his hand down and Roman and uh, Nasruddin Imovov decided to uh, throw a, a spinning kick to the face, which, as you all know, you cannot kick a downed opponent. And a downed opponent is anyone with a hand or lay or knee or elbow down and that was exactly what it was it was again questionable people are talking about it just like in the nfl as you know you get older or as things evolve you know you you, you want to question these types of things or it's always just like hey is this should this still be around or should we maybe abolish it i know it's it's a case-per-case thing in the ufc you do see a lot of state uh organization organizations or or um the committees that are putting on these fights depending on location location uh that actually factors in as well like their actual rules but i almost do wish that it was just a unanimously adopted rule that you can now kick or knee downed opponents Maybe you still keep out the soccer kick, I suppose. But at the end of the day, like, hey, these are UFC fighters. They're in there. They know the risk at hand. And because it's now being used as a crutch, we also saw in that Arnold Allen fight versus Mavloev Evliov as well. Mozart Evliov, excuse me. Um, it, it's, it's a baiting game. It, it just doesn't feel like it should be part of it. I mean, even the knees, all that. I mean, they should know how to defend themselves, right? I think if you just make it a thing, then then they'll find a way to defend themselves or they won't do that because the reality is like i don't think there's much difference from what nasruddin did with that leg fate with the leg strike to the face which was not the soccer kick it was a round i don't even know what to call it so side kick i suppose um but again i mean is it much different if he was in that same stance and he need him in the ribs or punched him in the ribs i can still break his ribs i can still hurt him but what's what's the difference with that versus in the face, right? You can still punch if he was able to, you know, just so happen to be able to get himself into an angle or position to land on the a strike on the face. I mean, is that bad? So I, I, I'm kind of at a point now where I don't know if I like that rule anymore. I think let let them let the motherfucker strike. We won't see violence, right? Maybe the soccer kick or the you know kind of a downed opponent, you know. Or he's, you know, maybe TKO'd or he's, you're on, you're finishing him and you go to kick him in the face. Yeah, maybe no one wants to see that per se. But other than that, I mean, what we saw there, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't love it. You know, he got it, it was a point deduction, but Imovov still found a way to win, which again tells me how dominant he was in terms of the full five rounds, 25 minutes. Man, great performance. And I, I mean, you, you got to reward the kid. He's already ranked eighth now. He went up three spots. There's a lot of absolute dogs in front of him. I don't I don't know which one of those, you know, wolves you throw him in with. I don't know what what line you then you throw him into because they're all absolute freaking savages and in terms of timing it's tough for me to say. So, I'm going to hold off on my response there, but here's your your breakdown on the fight and that knee or excuse me, the the leg strike, the deduction, what your thoughts are on the rules and just in general. 
Uh oh, are you double muted? Uh oh, don't you do that? There we go. We were we were double muted. We were double muted. It happens to the best of us. Um, with that being said, I have thoughts. I definitely have thoughts, folks. Um, this was a very interesting fight. I I saw a lot of people talking shit about it, saying that it was a very boring fight and that uh, it watered down the entirety of the card and made the entire main card boring. Blah blah blah. blah. Um, I digress. Here's the thing: when I watched this fight, I was excited i thought it was a fun fight um roman delize i will say came in with a very lackluster game plan um unless the game plan was to hope that his opponent gasses himself while striking him i i didn't really understand the the entirety of the game plan here folks uh roman delize ton of heart but imavov is just an absolute stud the guy does not get tired He's had fights against the top tier of up-and-comers in the UFC, and we've seen that. So that's why we ended up seeing almost a 100-strike differential in a 25-minute fight. Ridiculous, okay? Almost a 100-strike differential, mind you. It was 154 to 59. So, like, a 100-strike differential would be 2 to 1. Or, no, 3 to 1. For strikes thrown and landed here. So, um, and it's it's no better on significant strikes. It's actually worse on significant strikes because we had the same situation here, right? We had a little bit over three to one. We had actually, no, not even a little bit over, exactly a three to one differential, 34 to 112. Three times three is nine plus four times three is 12. Oh, actually, no. Jesus Christ. It was more than a three times strike differential, actually, doing the math out loud to myself here. Oh, boy. Nasser Dean, Imavov. What a stud you are. Mind you, Roman Delize tried to go for four takedowns. Um, you can probably guess how many he got if you watch the fight. If you didn't, I'll go ahead and tell you. He got zero. He went 0 for 4 on those takedowns. It, it was the Imavov show. Imavov, sorry, not Imavov. I'm trying very hard not to say Imavov because that's not the way you say his name. It's Imavov. Uh, and John Anik said something in his podcast this week that resonated with me, and that is pronunciation is simply a matter of you trying or you not trying. If you tried, you did the reps, you practiced the name, you looked up how to say the name, you did the phonetics. If not, and you're best pronouncing it, it's just you not trying to say the name correctly. So I'm trying very hardly to say everybody's name correctly moving forward. Um, John Anik made me feel like a fucking worthless piece of shit there in that moment. So thanks for that, bud. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's actually yes, Adavichis. Um, So <laughs> thanks for that, John Anik. Um, so Imavov did a great job out there. Um, Completely negated everything his opponent brought to the table. And I know that you're itching and dying to hear me go over that fucking up kick to the head of a grounded opponent, uh, which was definitely not a fucking grounded opponent. <laughs> I know I know what you want me to do. And so I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be yes, honest here. Yes, give the people what they want. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I know what you want. And so I'm just going to be completely honest. Um, 
I'm going to do this with, uh, for, for pun intended purposes here, no filter. And just say that, as, as the Joker said in that Joker movie that I wasn't a big fan of, you get what you fucking deserve, you know? Uh, and, and Roman Delize was, uh, for lack of better words, he was playing the game. You know, fuck that. He was playing the fucking game, kids. And he got what he had coming. Like, he was doing the one hand down. It was not weight-bearing at all. Like, bro, come on. Yeah, the weight-bearing part, like My you mentioned. it's touching the fucking ground. Yeah. It is not weight-bearing, okay? Yeah. You can knee me. You can kick me. It's okay. So, um... You can still properly defend yourself. That's the thing, too. It's not like you're in a completely vulnerable position. It's like you can defend yourself. Put yourself in that fucking position wholeheartedly. And Delize chose to do that not once, not twice, not three, not four, not five, not six, fucking multiple times, bro. So, you know me. I'm a firm, 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 firm believer of this scale. This kind of like invisible fucking Richter scale of, um, you know, fuck around, find out. And so that's exactly what happened with fucking Roman Delize is uh, he found out that the scale of fuck around to find out the the ratio of fuck around to find out rather it's it's one to one kids. I swear to you, it's one to one. You fuck around, you find out you fuck around more, you find out more. So. He fucked around a lot, and I'd like to think he found out a lot. He ate a big snap up kick to the face. To the face? Uh, probably didn't feel really good. Um, been there, at least with shin guards, and even then, can't tell you that it was my favorite experience of my life. So, uh, can't tell you it felt good for him. Again, the guy got what he deserved. Roman Delize was playing stupid games, and he won a fucking stupid prize. So Imavov did exactly what he needed to do. He got a point taken away, which I thought was garbage. But ref did his job, to my knowledge. Um, if that is the unified rules in that sanctioning party, which I thought it wasn't. I thought it had to be weight-bearing in Vegas. Please correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, folks. Um, if... That is the sanctioning rule that it had to be weight-bearing. Then the ref was off-purpose. Shouldn't have deducted a point for that. Um, either way, doesn't really matter. Right man won, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat a dead horse here. But I know I know that's what you wanted, right? Like, <laughs> so like I'm, I'm gonna call it yes, it was yes. fucking stupid. Uh, yes. They should have taken a point. It wasn't weight-bearing, to my knowledge, outside of Canada. And maybe like one other sanctioning party, to my knowledge, it has to be weight bearing. Um, I think Canada, maybe one other place. I think fuck. Uh, I hate myself for not knowing it off the top of my head because he's usually better than this. But I'll I'll look it up um, for next episode. But I know I, I think it's Canada and one other place that it it's not weight bearing. It's any part, any appendage, any part of the body other than the feet touching the mat counts as a grounded opponent. But even then, they're looking to uh, kind of abolish that. I know the um, CSAC leader, California State Athletic Commission leader, um, is a big fan of mixed martial arts. He actually trains. He showed up to the Hawani show last week with a black eye. 
from training. He admitted it was from MMA training. He said he did some light, some light sparring, and he has a little bit of a, a little little redneck accent. I love that. Yeehaw, baby. Uh, or if you're from Louisiana, you say, hey. Uh, so he showed up to the Hawaii show with a black guy. He's a big fan of martial arts. And um, he said he's trying to abolish two main things. That is the 12 to 6 elbow because it's there for just stupid reasons. If you know, you know. It's like the fucking epitome of if you know, you know. Um, and if you don't, please look it up. Joe Rogan has a very great rant on it during uh, probably three different fights. <laughs> so uh, the other one that he's trying to abolish, though, is grounded opponents. So he's essentially trying to unify the rule of you have to be weight-bearing to be considered a grounded opponent, which Chef's Kiss, big, big fan of. I am a, a big advocate of that. But before we go down that tangent, do you have a name in mind for Mr. Imavov? Man. I really don't. I really don't. I mean, it's tough for me to say, right? Again, it's all timing. I mean, every I, not everyone ahead of him, but most people in front of him have a dance partner signed up. The only one that isn't I guess I should say the one dance partner that's ranked ahead of him. Again, he's ranked eighth now. Uh, so one through eight, the only one that is reasonable that does not have a fight coming up would be a Jared Cannonier. But he would have no motivation to take a fight with someone like an Astrodine Ivovov. So don't love that. Maybe if I look down, you know, maybe if Jack Romanson can get a win over a Joe Pfeiffer, I mean, that'd be big, but I guess it can happen. Or if Joe Pfeiffer wins, then maybe, it, maybe Pfeiffer gets skyrocket up to this 11th spot then maybe nazardim has a, a potential path there um but yeah it's tough for me to say i mean an, another one i mean shoot let's be honest i mean chris curtis coming off a win and also was talking some crap to nazardim imavov there's definitely some chippiness there there's a little bit of a narrative and definitely some bad blood so that might be the next fight here potentially what do you think brother well, since you openly admitted that you love it when I do this, um, I'm going to say when Brendan Allen inevitably beats the orc from Mordor himself, Marvin the Italian Dream Vittori, Marvin Vittori versus Imavov would be a really fun matchup. I think they would negate each other's grappling skills, and it would just be a striker's delight of two cardio machines. I think it would look a lot like shades of Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington 1. Oh, that's a bold. That's a bold statement. That's one of my favorite fights of all time, brother. You're talking. You're talking big now. You're talking a legit hey, fight. You love to see it, baby. Come on. You love to fucking see it. Um, <coughs> and uh, you know, with that being said, I got to tell you guys a little, a little fun fact, a little random fun fact, not UFC related, but something, something related to, uh, I don't know, maybe this Sunday, possibly. Fun fact, 11 years ago today, the Super Bowl was happening, right? Um, and I posted on Facebook 11 years ago. Or sorry, no, 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 13 years ago today. Jeez Louise. It was uh, back February 6, 2011, 13 years ago today. I posted on Facebook, today is the day. Captain America preview during the Super Bowl. And we finally got the very first Captain America preview for the first Avenger. 
that started Captain America in the MCU. I mean, I couldn't have been happier. I was a little bit worried about Chris Evans, you know, the high school jock from Not Another Team movie being casted as Captain America. But man, for once, couldn't be happier I was wrong. Guy embodied the role, did an absolutely incredible job. And with that being said, Nano, as much as I, I hate to ask and put you on the spot, Who's your pick for the Super Bowl? Oh, man. Well, I am a Raider fan, as some of y'all may know. So I don't want to pick either one of them. It is in my home stadium. I don't want either of them to win. I hope it's the first tie. And no one's a winner. <laughs> no, but uh, I think it's going to be a really fun game. y'all. I think we have two really good defenses going in here. We have the best quarterback of our generation right now, Patrick Mahomes. He's beat the Niners in the Super Bowl already. The Niners Pretty have lost. Weird assessment. I mean, hey man, he's Pretty. up there. Oh, oh, hey man, I mean, he might he might, he, he might be the saving grace. He might be the saving grace, man. But the thing is, yeah, with these Niners, I mean, since 1994, that was their last Super Bowl win. They've been to two other Super Bowls and they have lost them both, man. One to Jim Harbaugh and the Ravens. Or John Harbaugh, I should say. Jim was the coach for their team. They lost. Uh, and they already lost to Patty Mahomes and them boys. So, <laughs> I'm leading the Chiefs, man. I'm leading the Chiefs. But if the Niners win, hell, they deserve it. Because they probably are the better team, in my opinion. But I just think, how do you bet against Patrick Mahomes? Am I right? What are you thinking? How do you bet against Patrick Mahomes? Like this. Um, I'll tell you. <laughs> I am going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to bet against them boys. Why? I think them Niners have a pretty good chance. Um, I think that Christian McCaffrey has, I mean, just proven to be an absolute cheat code in the NFL. Uh, and you top that off with the fact that Purdy has really come into his own this season as a QB. And I mean, I said this about the New Orleans Saints for many years before they ended up winning the Super Bowl, um, which fun fact was the year I moved out of Louisiana. <laughs> I know, I know. Is it hilarious? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Give, give, give it a round of applause. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, so that was the first uh, Saints game I watched outside of Louisiana. It was the fucking Super Bowl. Great job. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, Brock Purdy and the Niners, as I've said numerous times about the Saints that same year, have finally started coming into their own and gelling as a team. They've always had the individual parts to be a great team, but they've never really worked together as a whole team. And this year, we've really seen them firing on all cylinders, so to speak. I think that this might be the time for them to have that record scratch moment. And just steal the momentum from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that um, they're going to gobble it all up and take the fucking Super Bowl here, folks. For lack of better words, I think they're going to make the Kansas City Chiefs miss those passes so many times. They're going to have the receivers looking for the ball like, where are you? And I'm so sorry. My pick is going to be the 49ers. <laughs> 
Um, I really do think the 49ers are going to get it done. Got just a weird feeling in my gut. And um, yeah, not much more than that. Debo, fucking Christian McCaffrey. And like, I mean, I mean they have, they have yeah, so many says, Kittle. Yeah, I mean, no. McCaffrey is the X factor. That is the one person they didn't have last time they faced uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I would say, if you're looking to do any betting, anytime touchdown, Chris McCaffrey, slam the over. I would potentially slam I the was, unders on this literally team. Literally looking at that to parlay mm-hmm. on an MMA bet this week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things. It, I also would look at the under. Excuse me. Both of these defenses are really good, y'all. Brennan, I use some really thing. good odds on to score anytime. Oh, if it needs to be high scoring, I would consider it. I think I try to stay away from the anytime touchdowns. Look, brother, like, even if it's a three score game, those three scores for the Niners are Debo Samuels, Christian McCaffrey, and Brennan Ayuk. Yeah. And if you don't, and I would agree say Kelsey me, on the other side. That's probably the only other one. <laughs> I mean, I will. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Don't tell me with a good time, brother. Come on. We're due. You know the vibes. I'm ready, baby. Got the Wolverine gloves. Whoops. Wrong side. In the back. You know what I'm saying? Right next to the Captain America poster. And I got my Punishers, baby. Let's go. You know. You know that. We ready. But you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're right hey. about it. All right, baby. Well, um, we have gone through successfully the entirety of this fight card. We've also done a little bit of coverage on the upcoming fucking Super Bowl game here. Um, and I am pretty fucking stoked to go over this next card. Hermanson versus Pfeiffer. Dan Ige versus Andre Touchy Feely. We even got a Tavares versus Robo got fight on there. Sheesh. Michael Johnson. What key, What year is it? It's our year. It's our year, y'all. It's our year, year, baby. So uh, with that being said, folks, we will see you here same time, same place tomorrow to break down the next great UFC card, Hermanson versus Pfeiffer. As Dana White says, beat your Pfeiffer. And uh, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and smash that bell for notifications, as always. As we say here on the MMA Anomaly Show, no filter. Keep on going. And keep on growing. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA. And our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.